Well, all right. Well, good morning, New Life Church. Good to see you guys this morning. Isn't it good to be in, together with God's people in, in the presence of the Lord? It, is your heart lifted today? Your spirit strengthened this morning? Amen. Well, we're going to continue to dig into that as we get into the Word of the Lord today. Who's ready for God's Word? All right. Well, let's, let me invite you to open the, your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're in the process of a, in the middle of a series called A New Season, A New Soul. And we've been looking at this particular story, the story of the prodigal son. And there are basically three characters in this story. You have the father, who is known as God. Then you have the two sons. And any one of us can be either one of those two. At any given time, we could find ourselves in their position. And we've gone through the younger son. We've talked about the aspects of the father, although it's woven throughout the story. And last week we started looking at the condition of this older brother, the older son. And we're going to finish that up today. Let's, uh, let's look at the text this morning. Luke 15, verse 25. You can also follow along on the screen if you don't have something to look at in your hands. It says this, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years... I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now, he is found. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. This moment we have together as the church. Thank you for what you have provided for this family of faith. A place to gather. A place to come together. And thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Your word of life. Your words of transformation. Your word of strength and encouragement. This morning, God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, make our hearts soft so we can receive it. God, and declutter our minds right now. Help us to focus in so that we can understand and comprehend. 
And Lord, make our life, make it pliable in a way that, Lord, we would leave here with a determination and a conviction that we're going to do this thing. We're going to live by faith. We're going to live by the Word of God. And Lord, help me now as I speak. Fill my mouth with your words. Guard and keep my thoughts and help me to speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit this morning. And we honor you and we thank you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. I've had this illustration on the, uh, that I've showed you the last few weeks. Um, just trying to give, give us a visual about our soul. And how the whole central part of this whole series, A New Season, A New Soul, the whole central part of this is really about understanding that our souls need to be healthy. And our souls long to be healthy. And in that process, in that part of life, is that when our souls are healthy, our mind, our will, and our bodies have a greater chance of being healthy. Our, our thoughts our intentions, our habits, and our actions from our life will be healthy because our soul, our true part of us, will be healthy. And, you know, healthy is not perfection. That's not what this is. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Healthy is not perfection, but healthy is when God is really at the center of our life, that it brings forth a healthy living that honors the Lord. John the Apostle in, John, in uh, Third John, he said this. He prayed this. He said, "Beloved, he said, beloved, I pray above all else that you will prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers and is in good health." You should write that down, or you should catalog it and remember that in Third John, right on verse two, I think. He said, Beloved, above all else, I pray that you will prosper and be in good health, even as your souls prosper and are in good health. In other words, God wants our souls to be healthy, because when our souls are healthy, our life can be healthy. And again, don't mistake healthy for perfection, but understand health speaks to the fact that God is at the center, and when God is at the center, then we have every chance to really live a healthy, God-centered, God-honoring, God-fearing life. Amen? And so, we're talking about, in this series, the soul's potential. And look at this statement on the screen. It says, the soul has potential to be healthy when the needs of the soul are met in God. you got to remember that. you got to know that. That if you want your souls to be healthy, then you got to understand that the needs of your souls have to be met in God. Not in other people, not in things, not in the ways and the standards of this world, not in possessions, not in money. None of those external forces and pieces of life are, will really truly bring a health to what our souls need. Only God can do that. And when God, we allow God to do that, then we allow our soul to live out to its full potential of being strong and healthy in God. And last week we started talking about um, for our souls to be healthy then we need to find rest in God's grace. We need to find rest in God's grace. What does it mean to rest in God's grace? 
I like the way Jesus said it. I got two translations of these verses. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. I've got the new living and the message. Let's look at the new living real quick. It says, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Everybody say rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find, here it is, rest for your souls. Can you say rest for your souls? Rest for your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's look at the message translation. Jesus said, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion. He said, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. He said, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Anybody interested in that? He said, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do this thing called life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Can you say rhythms of grace? He said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Rest for your souls. Rhythms of grace. Grace and rest for our souls. Last week we started talking about there's four places that our souls need to find rest in God's grace. We covered the first two. Number one was this, that our souls need to find rest in God's grace of acceptance. And the second one is our souls need to find rest in God's grace of sustenance or God's sustaining grace. And that seemed to really resonate with those of you who were here last week. And as always, as Pastor Lindsay said, you can always go online to our website and you can listen to the messages. We're going to talk about number three and four today, finding rest in God's grace. Number three is this. Our souls need to find rest in God's grace of significance. Significance. Can you say significance? Come on, can everybody say significance? Is it really significant that I say significant when you ask me to say significant? Yes. <laughs> it's significant. You're going to go home thinking, significant, significant, good, because we're going, to, we're going to really understand that today. Here's what I want to tell you this is this. Did you know that God made us to make a difference on this earth beyond ourselves? That we are alive on this earth to make a difference in somebody else's life beyond ourselves. Everybody take your right hand, put it over your heart, You feel that? That's called purpose. Anytime you ever doubt why you're here and what you're here for, and if there's a reason why you exist, you need to just take, stop what you're doing and take your hand and put it over your heart and hear, feel that beat. That's life pumping through your body. That's called purpose. That is called purpose. Scott Norwood. He was a former NFL champion for the Buffalo Bills. Well, he was in the game. He was a kicker. And he walked off the field with his head down because he missed the game. 
And as a result, or missed the game, missed the kick. And as a result of missing the kick, his team lost the game. Well, they travel back home, and Scott's feeling pretty bad. And they get off the plane, they, get, and they drive into town, and the team's together, and, and they drive up to thousands of fans all around their team bus. And as they get out, they hear this eruption of, of hand clap and applause and all this, and Scott's kind of staying in the background. But then all of a sudden, the, you hear the fans start chanting, We want Scott! We want Scott! We want Scott! They wanted to remind Scott that, Scott, though you missed the kick and we lost the game, we want you to know you're still a part of our community. See, there's nothing greater to know that people still cheer you on when you miss the kick. Isn't that nice to have? When you know you miss it, you know you blow, blew it, and you know you messed up, and you know you, you disappointed other people, and you let other people down, and you let yourself down, and your head is held low, and you're hanging in the background, there's still a crowd of people that are cheering you on. In fact, there's a story about that, and there's a, there's a chapter in, the, in the Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1, that tells us that there is a great cloud of witnesses that we are surrounded by. And it's not just everybody that you read about in the Bible. But those great cloud of witnesses are some of your great ancestors. Some of your ancestors who lived in past decades, past eras. Some of them are ones you personally knew that are no longer on this planet with you, but are in heaven now. And they're leaning over the banister rail of heaven, a part of this great cloud of witnesses. And they're saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep fighting the fight of faith. Keep the faith and finish your race because they're saying, listen, it's better than you think it is. As good of the story and orators, storytellers and the orators on earth are that try to describe how good heaven is, until you experience it, you don't know. And they're telling you and I today, hey, we're cheering for you. Your head might be down. You might blow it. You might be disappointed and frustrated with yourself. You might be asking, how did I get here? How did I allow this to happen? And why is this happening to me? You've missed the kick time and time again. Or you drop the ball. Whatever the analogy is you want to throw in there. You just Sometimes you get in a place of life. You find yourself in this place where you feel like, man, you lost. And it's over. But we have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And you need to remember that. And you need to know that today. Because here's what they're really getting at. And that is this. They want you to remember and know and live with the understanding that God has created us for significance. Did you know there is a difference between being successful and being significant? By the world's standards, everybody's trying to be successful trying to work hard, please people, accomplish projects, get things done on time, finish our goals, meet the demands, be good at what we do, nothing wrong with that. Jesus tells us to be productive and fruitful, absolutely. But there is a big difference between being successful and being significant. 
Might I suggest that this older brother in this story was more focused and more preoccupied with being successful than he was being significant. Because, see, I think if he was being significant, then he would be glad that his younger brother was back home. Because he would understand that his life was about making a difference in somebody else's life beyond his own. Which leads me to believe that he was more focused on being successful than significant. You see, here's the difference. Significance is about who we are before it is about what we do. Success is more about what we do before it is about who we are. And if we'll remember that as we go through life, then we'll be welcomed with a big standing ovation in heaven because we focused our life not necessarily on a, about what we do, but it was about who we were becoming. Because you see, who we are becoming is really what's going to carry on across this threshold of life and step into, for, into forever. Significance or success. See, I know it's defined in different ways, but when we aim to live our life to be significant, then really, we will be successful. Because see, success, I think many times, is gauged by how much we have, what we attain, how many degrees we have, how good we are, how impressive we can be, how many friends we have, what kind of social circles we are engaged in. Where we live, what we drive, how much money we have, different things, all based on different stuff like that. But significance is really based on how many people's lives did you change? Did you, did you impact it and, and affect your family for the kingdom? Did you train your children up well? That's the stage I'm in right now. God help me. Those of you with 7, 8, 9, 10, I know you need our prayers. But remember those with just one, two, and three. Because we haven't got to that place yet. You know how to do it. We're just trying to get better at it. That's why we like hanging out with you. There's something about you guys that I like. Success or significance. And you know, friends, we can either be more focused we can either be focused more on significance or we can be focused more on being successful. And I really believe Jesus calls us to focus more on being significant. I want to I want to just throw in these three things today about about significance, three contributions that lead to a life of significance. A lot of things do, but I just want to focus on three that Leading a life of significance, three contributions. One is this, stewardship. Stewardship. It's about being committed to being better at what we have. Being a better overseer of what we have. Stewardship. You see, when we are good stewards of what we've been given, then it allows us to be a better and a stronger, significant person in this world. We all have time, we all have talents, and we all have treasure. We all have the same amount of time. We all get 86,400 seconds in a day. We all have different talents, and our treasure level varies. But none of, none of that 
is, should be weighed in as a comparison between other people. What we need to focus on is using what we have, what we've been given, and seeing how we can take what we've been given and make a bigger difference in our world. Amen? That's one reason we, we love this Christmas blessing offering. It's a step above our normal general giving of tithe and offering. It's where we make a little bit extra sacrifice at Christmas time because there's a few other people in our community that really need a little bit extra help and need to know that if they didn't know they had a problem, that they wouldn't know that God could solve them. And guess who God uses to solve a lot of problems? He uses the church. And we're just trying to let our community know and let our world know that, hey, Jesus cares. And so do we. And so when we're good stewards, we aim at being better at what we've been given and being a better overseer of what we've been given, then we can make a bigger difference. This last week, we, we just had a uh, kind of a work day. Union University does a huge community serve day every year about this time, and they sent about a dozen people out, and we re com completely reorganized a few of our storage places uh, in, in here where we keep all of our, our stuff that we use every week, and as a result of that, the alumni who own this place, they had quite a few items in there as well, and with their request, they said, please take all that to the dump. Well, we made two loads, two huge trailer and truck loads to the dump. Well, Anybody ever been to the landfill here? Willing to admit that? If you have never been to the landfill, I encourage you to go. I had never been to the landfill. I had to get directions over the phone. I had to look it up on my, on my, on my phone. I had to... I'd never been... And you can smell it a little ways out. It's pretty bad. That's where all of our stuff goes. And I tell you, I wasn't thrilled about having to go to the landfill. I drive up, get on the scale. 8,700 pounds is our first load. It's the truck, trailer, people, and stuff. And the lady says... Is this going to be cash or credit card? I look at her and I'm like, you mean we have to pay you to take our stuff? <laughs> I'm serious. I've never been there before. She laughed. She said, just get out of your truck and come talk to me for a second. I go up to her window and she's like, I said, you know, we tried to go to the county dump. We're in Denmark and they take stuff. She goes, yeah, we just bought uh, we just bought the county's landfill, and so we have a new contract with all these dumps, and you can't take big stuff there anymore, so just keep that in mind. Now, I don't want to hear about you jumping over their fence trying to get rid of your couch or something, all right? You got to take it to the landfill. Um, that's why a lot of people leave stuff on the side of the road. They don't want to pay $3 to take it to the landfill. But she said, she explained to me how it works, and I said, uh, okay, I'll have to pay on my second trip because I don't have my card on me at this moment. It's at the office, and um, so anyway, did all that, took our first load, came back, did the second load, and I was checking out, paying for, the sec for, for all of it, and, and, this, and, and this lady, she could have been really irritated because, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of people coming through there from the waste management company to everybody else dropping their stuff, 
And here I am taking a little bit extra time, and she's trying to explain to me how this stuff thing works. And, and I told her as I was leaving, I says, anybody ever told you that you have the greatest attitude? She stepped back, and she said, really? I said, you sure do. I said, listen, it's bad out here. I said, but you make this place. You make guys like me feel a whole lot better. And she said, well, thank you. Yesterday morning, I got up and uh, I bought, went to uh, a local donut store, Dunkin' Donuts, and I bought my kids some donuts for breakfast. And, and I was going through, I, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted. Sometimes they have those specialty donuts, so I was asking over the drive-thru intercom if you had this or had that. And she was really nice, explained it to me, took my order. I drove up and was paying for it, and, and I said, I said, has anybody ever told you that you are super nice? I said, you got here, what, about 4 o'clock this morning? And you've already served I don't know how many people. And here I am taking my time trying to order and figure out what I want. And you're nice, and you explain it to me, and you help me. I said, you make my day. I said, I hope I can be as nice as you. She said, I'm sure you are. I said, I don't know. Sometimes I have my moments. <laughs> She smiled, and we, I went on my way, but two jobs that we might think are not really significant, but in this fellow's life, they made a big difference. They were nice. They were nice. It's amazing that when you know what you've got, and you don't try to be something you're not, and you just be who you were created to be, that it'll make a big difference in somebody else's life. That's stewardship. Now, we might not look at it that way sometimes. We only maybe look at it in the money side, but if we stewardship is our whole part of our life. It's everything, our time, our talent, our treasure, our energy, our focus, all of that. See, if we, become be if, we, if we aim at being a better overseer of what we've been given, then church, we can make a bigger difference in somebody else's life. That's why we're here, trying to make bigger differences in people's lives. Here's a second contribution that can lead to a life of significance. Slowing down. Slowing down. Here's the thing. That we can't be significant if we're always in a hurry. Anybody ever feel like, man, you are just in the rat race of life, just trying to keep up with everything sometimes? Yeah. See, the first step is admit it. <laughs> Denial ain't no river in Egypt. It's not just a river in Egypt. See, we can't be significant if we're hurried, because here's the thing. Here's what hurrying does. Hurrying, it distracts us and it subtracts from our significance. Just because our world is fast-paced doesn't mean we have to be functioning at that level. When we're in a hurry, when we live a hurried life, our souls aren't at rest, and our significance becomes depleted. 
Because here's what happens. When we're always in a hurry, we're preoccupied. We're preoccupied and we're not fully present in somebody else's life when they need us. When we're hurried, we're also spiritually drained and we become unavailable to God because we're exhausted and we're trying to do life out of our own strength. And God didn't create us for that. Those words in Matthew 11, 28, 29, 30, Jesus means that. Learn from him. Watch him. See how he does life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Follow him. Hang out with him. Stay close to him. And we'll get rest for our souls. But when we're in a hurry all the time, trying to get from point A to point B, trying to do this and do that and how many things we can fit into our day. I know, again, we have to accomplish. We're responsible. We have to be responsible for our life, on our jobs, for our kids and everything. I get that. But there is a way to do life, I believe, without always having to be in a hurry. Because if we're in a hurry, we miss people. When we're in a hurry, we miss opportunities. We don't slow down long enough to listen. Therefore, we can't slow down long enough to explain. And we can't slow down long enough to say, can I pray for you? I don't want my kids growing up. Here's what I want. I want my kids to grow up saying, Dad, as busy as he was pastoring people, he always took time to listen to me. Now, am I really good at that? No, I'm not. There's some days I stink at that. But I want my children to grow up. I want my girls to grow up knowing their dad takes time to listen. I want them to be able to say, you know what? He was a busy guy, but he was, he was helping people, but he always helped me. Because, see, when I get too busy, then I don't listen. And then when I don't listen, I can't, I can't get down on their level and, try to explain stuff to them. I, I, I get hurried, I get disgusted, I get frustrated and, and, and been out of shape and, and I don't take the time to help them understand certain things. We're trying to teach our nine-year-old how to clean her bathroom right now. And I, did, I was trying to let her know yesterday it's time to clean. Well, didn't I just clean that? Yeah, you did. It was about two weeks ago. Or no, it was last week. But listen, I want you to I'm come show you. Let me. At first, I was in a hurry because I was trying to do something else. And I was like, just go in there and clean it. Come on. Go, 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 go. And Haley's like, won't you take her in there and show her something? I was like, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I brought her in there and I said, you see that ring in the toilet? <laughs> that's a sign that it's dirty. And I said, here. We need to get rid of that. But help trying to take the time to just explain it to her. I wish I was better at it. With God's help, I will be. With God's grace, you and I won't be living in a fast-paced. We can live in a fast-paced world, but we can learn to drive in the slow lane. You know, between you and me, nobody else. It's between you and me, nobody else, all right? It's between us. I started driving in the slow lane 
on the way to the office every day. And it is a test of my patience. Not that I'm like some crazy speed demon or something. Jury's still out on that. <laughs> my dad's like, dude, you, you, you're crazy. He gets on to me all the time. But I started to drive in the slow lane and because I just, I, I'm trying to make myself slow down. Not just for safety reasons, but for sanity reasons. To realize, man, I don't have to be in such a hurry all the time. I have a little more time to think. Have a little more time to pray. I literally, I drive by Max's office every day. Royal Furniture. That place has no windows except in the front. Again, I don't know how you do it, man. You're, I, I call it your, your cave of incubation. Stuck all the way in the very back. And he walks out and he's like, whoa, there is light. Except when you leave at 9.30 at night to go home when it's dark. But I, I pray for you. I literally do. Every time I go by, I say something to the Lord about you. And if I knew where all of you worked and I actually passed by it, I would do the same for you. But just so you know, you get prayer cards from us. We really do pray for you all the time. But finding, telling myself, slow down. And when we slow down, we can learn that we'll actually make a bigger difference in people's lives. Sometimes people just want to know that you care, and we show that we care just by listening, right? And I know that's always easier said than done. I know that. But we need to start somewhere, right? Because I believe the Lord has put us alive on this planet to make a difference beyond ourselves. Third contribution to leading a life of significance, and that is this, simplify. Simplify. Don't make life so complicated. Sometimes I talk to people, nobody in here, but I talk to people and I'm like, you just really make your life complicated. Have you, just listen to what you're saying. It ain't that hard. I know life is hard, but you make it harder because you're complicating things. Right? Simplify. Remember, here's how I think we can simplify. Remember why you're here. Remember why you're here on this planet. You're here on purpose. You're here with a purpose. You're here to live on purpose for God. Focus on that. If we'll learn to just focus on why we are here, it'll put everything else into perspective. Let's watch this video. It's five minutes long, so don't go to sleep. But I believe it'll be an inspiration, and it'll be a reminder, hey, we need to just simplify our life and remember why we are here. Today we are celebrating the engagement of a young couple in our village. That is until this Christian returned. Four days ago he came into our village trying to convert us. 
telling everyone about his Jesus. We warned him not to come back, yet here he is. हम लोग इनके साथ क्या करेंगे अगर इसका परमेश्वर सच्चा है तो इसकी मदद अवश्य करेगा और हम इसे जाने देंगे
Suta did recover, and four days after leaving our village, he came back again. Now my wife and I follow Jesus, and Suta is our pastor. When you pray for the persecuted, please remember to also pray for those who persecute. For us, it may be the only way we will see the love of God. I am a simple man, and without prayer, I am nothing. What does that story have to do with keeping life simple? He remembered why he was here. And because he remembered why he was here, God took care of him, and God is using him to be significant in other people's lives. We might not go to those remote villages or leave the county of Madison or the state of Tennessee or wherever our feet will tread and where God will take us. He's calling us to make a difference in the lives of other people. We need to learn how to slow down, simplify, and steward our life in a way that will make us significant for Christ in other people's lives. And in closing, the last area where our souls need to find rest in God's grace, that is in God's grace of achievement. You know, ultimate achievement is letting our King, Jesus, rest on the throne of our hearts. See, in ancient times when, when they would inaugurate a palace, it symbolized that that king had achieved victory. The king would walk off the battlefield, stroll into the palace, and he would go and sit on his throne. And when he would sit on his throne, there were no battles, there was no crisis. He would rule with peace and delight. In other words, all would be good with the kingdom. And everybody wanted their king to be able to rest on their throne because when he rested on his throne, that meant it was all good for them too. See, our souls will find rest when we allow our king to rest on his throne in our life. When you and I stop focusing on life as how much we can achieve, what we can do, how long we can live, what we can attain, what we can make happen, and we will rest in the fact that our King Jesus has already conquered sin and death, hell and the grave and the cross, and that when we let Him walk into the palace and sit on our throne of our heart, we'll find our souls resting in God's grace. You see, when that happens, 
Remember that illustration I showed you at the beginning with the circles? When we let Jesus, our King, rest on the throne of our heart, here's what happens. Our will, our wills will become undivided and we'll actually find ourselves obeying God with joy. When Jesus is on the throne of our life, our minds will have thoughts of goodness and purity and love about people, about situations, about life. When Jesus is on the throne of our heart, then our flesh, our bodies, will be engaged in behavior that will be godly and good. And when Jesus is on the throne of our heart, then our souls will truly be at rest in God's grace. And we won't be aching for anything. That's where I want to find myself living every day. My soul at rest in God's grace. Does it mean... I won't have to face challenges. It doesn't mean you and I won't have to face issues or obstinate people. It means that when we face things and we go through life, we will actually walk in God's grace, not our own strength. Just think about your toughest issue right now. Think about your most challenging situation right now. It might be a person. It might be a relationship. It might be a physical battle. It might be a financial matter. It might be your, tra- your, your vehicle might be your children, or it might be a combination of several things. But think about what burden it is you're carrying right now. Think about the, the things you're dealing with right now. God wants you to know that He put you here on purpose. And He's called us all to live a life of significance. But we've got to let Jesus, what He has achieved, come to pass in our life. And let Him truly sit on the throne of our hearts. Not sometimes, not when we feel like it, not when it's convenient, not when we are in a good mood. But every day.